you're listening to Epitaph. In the 1940s, folklorist Richard Beardsley and Rosalie Hankey cataloged a new type of urban legend rapidly spreading around the country. The title of their article in California Folklore Quarterly gave the phenomena a name, The Vanishing Hitchhiker. In season one, Epitaph travels the roads of America to investigate the local variations of the vanishing hitchhiker legend to discover where these ghost stories intersect with local history and truth. This is a bonus episode. The Uniondale Hitchhiker. Between the towns of Uniondale and Willowmore, drivers and motorcycle riders have reported encounters with one of South Africa's most famous ghosts. For those who are familiar with the vanishing hitchhiker legends, the story is a familiar one. A man is driving on a dark, lonely road, usually in the rain. On the road ahead, he sees a young woman. He pulls over and asks if she needs a ride. She gives an address and gets into the car, or onto the motorcycle. But she disappears before they get there. While in many of our stories this season, we're left to pick out the unique details from each of the stories and see where they fit into local history, in this story, every piece is supported by a named witness who provides the exact times and dates of their encounter. Because, in this case, the driver never goes to the addresses to find out if the girl had died several years before. In this case, the witnesses went to the police station in Uniondale. Reporters have interviewed not only the witnesses, but the police officers who've taken the reports. And beyond that, they've spoken with the man who suggested that the ghost is actually his fiance, who died on the N9 road just 20 kilometers or so outside of Uniondale. And what has resulted from this thorough investigation is one of the most enduring and well-documented versions of an otherwise familiar urban legend, the story of the Uniondale Hitchhiker. While the Uniondale ghost is undoubtedly the best-known ghost story in South Africa, she isn't the only ghost walking the roads. One story tells of a man driving across the country, either from Johannesburg to Durban or from Cape Town to Johannesburg, depending on what part of the country you're in and where you're hearing the story. The man is exhausted, but as he has to be at his destination by morning, he doesn't have time to stop to sleep. After nodding off a few times and snapping himself back awake, he notices a hitchhiker beside the road ahead. While normally he may not have stopped, he decided that maybe it might be best to have someone else in the car to talk to to keep him from falling asleep behind the wheel, so he pulled over and unlocked the door. The man that climbs in is a bit tense. Every five minutes or so, he asks the time. Though the driver is irritated, he soon finds himself waiting for the next time this passenger will ask what time it is. Before long, he sees the lights of his destination on the horizon and turns to ask the passenger something, but he's gone. At his meeting the next day, the driver recounts his experience and another man at the meeting asks the name of his passenger. When he tells the man his passenger's name, the man says, that was my son. The man explains that his son had died on that same stretch of highway several years before. Police believed he had fallen asleep at the wheel and, according to the legend, his father now occasionally meets people who his son has kept from the same fate by riding beside them and repeatedly asking the time. Johannesburg residents also tell of a vanishing hitchhiker at a spot called the Sandringham Dip. According to that legend, there was said to be a tombstone beside the road at the bottom of the dip, and if you happen to be passing at midnight, you may see a woman in white standing in the road. Several were said to have given her a ride, but when they turned to speak to her, found that she'd vanished, leaving behind only a small pool of water and a ghostly chill. For years, many considered it to be just an urban legend. 
there were, after all, no graves anywhere to be seen in the area. However, in the late 1990s, the Wright Fontaine Hospital, which owned the grounds near the road, began clearing the overgrown area to use in a new development. In doing so, they discovered something unexpected, a cemetery. The hospital had maintained several cemeteries in the area. However, this area had been designated for patients who died of cholera. It was kept far away from the hospital and from other developments to avoid contamination and spreading the disease. It had gotten overgrown over the years and many had forgotten it was even there. In the Meadowlands suburb of Soweto, a woman named Vera was once said to have terrorized taxi drivers and their passengers. Depending on which version of the story you prefer, Vera was either killed by her lover in 1957 or was killed in the crossfire of a gang fight in the early 1960s. She then spent the next several decades catching rides in taxis. If a taxi were to pull away from a stop with an empty seat, she would appear in it and disappear before the cab stopped again. It's said that she's no longer there, though, so cabbies and their fares have no need to worry. According to the October 5, 1992 edition of The Star, Vera was crossed over by Dr. Ismail Balim, who claimed to have a doctoral degree in ghostology, having studied under Professor Mohammed Magsain of the International Spiritual Institute in Johannesburg in 1948. And there's also apparently the ghost of a Michael Jackson impersonator, dressed in full Michael Jackson costume, said to appear alongside a road in Tembiza, where he's said to have died while trying to get home from a lookalike contest. But none of these stories are as well known as the legend of the Uniondale Hitchhiker. It was evening on Good Friday of 1976. At least, that's the date the legends give. According to an article by David Barrett, a journalist who wrote about the Uniondale Hitchhiker story for a number of publications in the 1980s, the actual date was May 1st, 1976. So to be more accurate, it was a Saturday evening almost two weeks after Easter. Anton, or Anthony LaGrange, was on his way toward Uniondale on the N9 Road in the Western Cape of South Africa when he saw a woman standing beside the road. He described her as short, with brown hair, wearing a jacket and dark trousers. While Easter weekend for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere generally signals the beginning of spring, in the Southern Hemisphere it's autumn, and as it was raining and the nights were getting colder, LaGrange decided to pull over and see if she needed a ride. She wasn't hitchhiking, he said, but because it was cold and raining, I stopped the car. She opened the door and got in. I noticed that her face was very pale. I asked where she wanted to go, and she said Porter Street, DeLang. Those were the only words she spoke to me. The woman climbed into the back seat, and LaGrange continued toward Uniondale. However, though he tried talking to the young woman, she wouldn't reply. I didn't know where Porter Street was, so I turned to ask her, and she was gone, he said. He drove to the police station in Uniondale and filed a report. Police Constable Cornelius Potgeiter, who went by the nickname Snowy, didn't believe the story of the disappearing girl, but he decided to go with LaGrange back to where he'd seen the young woman anyway. They drove, with the policemen following LaGrange, each in their own vehicle. I drove off at a steady 70 kilometers an hour, LaGrange said, after having first made sure all the doors were securely locked. Just outside Uniondale, the right rear door of my car slowly opened and closed, exactly as if someone had gotten out and shut the door behind them. I stopped the car and the policeman came up to me and asked if I had seen it. All he could say over and over again was, How about that? David Barrett, the newspaper journalist, contacted Potgeiter, who had since become a police sergeant in Natal. He confirmed every detail of LaGrange's story. The next encounter took place on Good Friday of 1978. At least, that's what the legend says. The actual date was March 31st, which is actually the Wednesday after Easter. 
A corporal in the South African Army, Dawi van Jarsveld, was nearing the end of a 115-mile motorcycle ride to visit his girlfriend in Louderwater. It was just after 9.30 p.m., and he was just outside Uniondale on the N9 road, and it had started to rain. Van Jarsveld spotted a dark-haired girl in dark trousers ahead. Thinking that she might be a decoy for a gang of thieves who preyed on motorists dumb enough to stop for her, he almost kept riding. But then again, if she wasn't, he couldn't leave her standing out there in the rain at night. So he pulled over to offer her a lift, but left the motor running. He watched her carefully in his rearview mirror as she walked to where he was parked. He turned his head to ask if she wanted a lift, but with the noise of the motor, he missed the address she'd given. Assuming she was headed to Uniondale, he asked her to nod if she needed a ride. She did. According to one account, published in Fate magazine just a few months later in July of 1979, Van Jarsveld handed her his spare helmet. Another version of the story, though, says that Van Jarsveld actually put the helmet on her head while she stared at him as if he wasn't there. Both versions suggest something about her demeanor set him on edge. About 10 miles down the road, just past the second turnoff for Barandas, Van Jarsveld felt like he hit a bump and his bike shimmied slightly. Worried that he may have a flat tire, he looked back, and that's when he realized that he was now alone on his motorcycle. I thought she'd fallen off and I swung my bike in a U-turn to go back and look for her, he said. I was really frightened. I must have gone about two kilometers before I realized I was still feeling a gentle bumping against my back. I looked around and found that the bumping was caused by my spare helmet, which was clipped to the baggage rack. Then I got a real fright and I took off like a bullet on my way back to Uniondale. Arriving in Uniondale, instead of going to the police station, he stopped at the Petros Cafe and asked for a strong cup of coffee, telling the story of what he'd just encountered to the waitress there. Cynthia Hind, who'd written about Van Jarsveld's encounter for Fate magazine, went to the Petros Cafe and spoke with the waitress who remembered the man and his story. She said he did look like he'd seen a ghost. She also went to the farm in Louderwater, where Van Jarsveld had been going to meet his girlfriend the night of the encounter, and they, too, said that he seemed shaken when he arrived, and had told them of his strange experience on the road. As the legend of the Uniondale hitchhiker began to spread around South Africa, and to some degree around the world, an Air Force lieutenant from Riversdale heard the story. He gave a photo of his fiancée to the press and asked that it be shown to both Anton LaGrange and Dawi Van Jarsveld. When presented with the photo, both men recognized the woman in the picture as the same person they'd picked up on the N9 road. The only problem was she'd actually died there almost a decade earlier on April 12, 1968. And for the record, April 12, 1968 actually was Good Friday. The Air Force Lieutenant from Riversdale was a man named Michel or Giel Praetorius. He and his fiancée, a 22-year-old brunette named Maria Charlotte Rue, were on their way to her parents' house for Easter weekend. They'd recently gotten engaged, and according to Rico Clausen of the Uniondale Tourism Office, they'd spent the day on Thursday in Craddock picking up Maria's wedding dress. They must have had a late start heading back to Riversdale, as it was close to 4.30 in the morning when they neared Uniondale. With some luck, they'd be in Riversdale by sunrise. It was storming as they came past the turnoff for Brandis. The rain on the windshield of the Volkswagen Beetle and the rhythmic beat of the windshield wipers had lulled Maria to sleep. So Chiel took his right hand off of the wheel to reach over and pull Maria's jacket up onto her to make sure that she stayed warm. A second later, his tires left the pavement. He attempted to get them back onto the road, but overcorrected and the car rolled several times before it came to a stop. Officer Pat McDonald of the Uniondale Police Force was the first on the scene. He found Chiel Pretorius alive, but severely injured. Maria Charlotte Rue, known affectionately as Rhea by those who loved her, died of her injuries sustained in the accident. 
She was 22 years old. Maria was survived by her father, Peter, her mother, also named Maria, four siblings, and her fiancé, Michelle Pretorius. Maria was buried in Section F of the Old Dutch Reformed Church Cemetery in Riversdale, in the Western Cape of South Africa. Though some suggest that Maria may have survived the initial impact, Sister Elby Luke, who was on duty at the mortuary the night that Maria was brought in, said that her neck had been broken and that she had most likely died without ever knowing that the accident had even happened. If that is the case, it may explain why people still see her there, often close to the Easter weekend on which she died, still trying to get home. In 2006, author and folklorist Arthur Goldstruck tracked down David Barrett to ask him about the legend for his book, The Ghost That Closed Down the Town. He asked questions like, why did none of the stories ever quote the parents except in one brief mention that has her mother moving to another town? Why was the fiancé only brought in secondhand and never actually quoted? Though Maria's father, Peter Rue, had died in 1969 before the legend of the Uniondale hitchhiker had even begun, Barrett said that he did actually make contact with Maria's mother, but the moment she heard what he was calling about, she refused to speak with him. He also said that he'd spoken to Chiel Pretorius. I do definitely remember contacting her fiancé Pretorius, he said. He didn't want to discuss the matter either, saying she was dead and should be left in peace. Though his writings on the story have been published in many places over the years, Barrett said his original story was actually written for the National Enquirer. While this might make some question the story, this would have actually been during a time when the Enquirer wanted every claim checked as thoroughly as possible. They'd funded several visits to Uniondale and the Eastern Cape in 1978 for Barrett to be able to follow up on leads and interview witnesses. Barrett did mention that he didn't put as much faith in Van Jarsveld's story, if only because Van Jarsveld had also contacted him later to say that he'd seen other ghosts. But though he was initially skeptical, he had come to believe that LaGrange had seen Maria Rue. The story made an impression on me more than any other I've written, largely because of the testimony of LaGrange and the policeman I spoke to. The stories weren't second-hand. They were first-hand testimony from three highly credible people who didn't have any reason to make up a story. There were no friends of friends involved. People like LaGrange had never heard of urban legends. He was a simple fellow, but something happened that night that changed his life profoundly. Prior to the encounter, LaGrange had been a hard-drinking rabble-rouser. But overnight, there was a complete metamorphosis. He gave up drinking and became a churchgoer, which he'd never been before. Whether, like Barrett, you choose to attribute LaGrange's sudden change to his encounter or something else, something clearly happened that night that had a major impact on his life. I always encourage skepticism when investigating these sorts of stories. But the facts of this particular story... Everything from Maria Rue's death to the named, on-the-record witnesses who gave investigators specific dates and times of their encounters, and that those reports could be further verified through police reports and police testimony. I believe make a compelling argument that, while the vanishing hitchhiker legend could be easily dismissed as an urban legend in some places, that isn't so easily done with the story of the Uniondale hitchhiker. If you enjoy Epitaph, please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Want a place to connect with us or discuss episodes with others? Join our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at, at EpitaphPod. If you've got a few extra dollars, please consider joining our Patreon. There, you'll get access to Epitaph, The Others, our special subscriber-only bonus show and other exclusive content. Epitaph is an independent bi-weekly podcast. 
This episode was researched, written, hosted, and produced by Epitaph Podcast. The content of this podcast is copyright Epitaph Incorporated 2019, all rights reserved. This was a bonus episode. The Uniondale Hitchhiker. <laughs>